everybody, welcome back to my podcast, Scary Stories, and of course, it's the Halloween episode today. So, it's season one, episode ten, and let's just get started with the episode. This story is called, Don't Ever Take Your Eyes Off Your Children This Halloween. There are just a few more houses, please. Why did I say yes? I blame myself every day. But how could I not? If you saw his face, if you saw those big, beautiful brown eyes staring up at you, I don't see how you could refuse. My son Daniel, dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow for the second year in a row, pulled a tug under my hand. I reluctantly agreed to just a few more houses. Then we go home, okay? I was weak, spun on by love. We had finished our third block of houses. His pillow sack was almost full and all sorts of candy. A fact I was reminded of every passing minute as I lunged into another one on my back. He had one of those small plastic pumpkin carriers in front of the door and he ran back to me and dumped the container into the pillowcase. Our system was flawless, a perfect combination of teamwork and strategy meant to produce a maximum amount of candy. Those answers, those doors would see an adorable Jack Sparrow with an empty bucket and most of them would add some extra candy bars or gum packs to comment the poor pirate. So he didn't need more candy. He was just enjoying the night, unseasonably warm October after so many of miserable cold Halloween nights. I couldn't say no. Children only have so many years to trick or treat in them, and I want him to make the most of each one. We walked down the alleyway to the next bar, the last street before the country fields took over. The first house was lit up with orange and white lights. Big spider webs drapes over the hedges. He practically sprinted up to the door, not noticing the fake body sitting on the chair. At least I thought it was fake. It started to move. I tried to yell and warn Daniel, but the body on the chair already grabbed my son's arm and giving a howling growl at the same time. Daniel, Captain Daniel, was unfazed. He even started to laugh. I was so proud of him in the moment after thanking the woman at the door and wishing her a happy Halloween. He put it back to me, excitedly dumping the contents of the consoles in the broken pillowcase. Dad, did you see me? I wasn't scared at all. Buddy, you are a champ. If that was me, a little bit of pee would have come out. Bellman, we shared a laugh together and he threw his arms around me. It would be the last time either of us would laugh. I looked down at his eyeliner streaked face. His beautiful craft hands soon piled had continuity of the mist, and every everlasting shame I said the word that haunts me every day. Okay, little captain, one more house.
there was only three more on the street two beside the houses we had just gone were dark and no huh, no decorations on them every child in pyramid knows the the universe signs of dope only coming to the house for candy so we skipped those two houses and ended up the house at the end of the road to his credit daniel noticed that it almost didn't have any decorations but the front porch light was on he looked at me silently asking for my approval i didn't get a sense that anything was particularly wrong or off about the house even though it didn't have any lights or spy webs or fake bodies the other houses had outside light was on and we could both see the red and white candy shirt bucket on the front porch there was also a note above the bucket and i could already guess the instructions that take a few pieces of candy and be on your way but i was over it was conscious everywhere I told him to stay on the sidewalk, and I walked up to the porch and picked up the note and read it. If no one should answer when you ring the bell, please take the candy, and I wish you well. There were no windows that I could suddenly peer into, and the house on the outside was perfectly peaceful. The porch was clean, the lawn crisp, and the cut and clearly maintenance. I peered inside the bucket and my eyes lit up. Even as an adult, I knew that the beautiful side chocolate bars were rare and they were sticker mods or hemis, all the classics in full size glory. I was so excited for Daniel, I turned around and went back to the sidewalk where he was practically beaming with energy. Even after a long night, this is one rarely to go. I put on my best pilot voice. All right, Captain. There is no that says to knock on the door. If there's no answer, you can take one of those treats from the bucket. Just one, though. Make it fair for the other children. in his best pirate voice. We gave each other our first pump. He walked up the pathway to the front door. I made sure to watch him the whole way. It could be another setup, some clever house owner putting together an elaborate ruse to get children's guards down before they reveal the big scam. My phone vibrated once in my pocket. No doubt it was in text messages from my wife. I watched as my son knocked on the door and patiently waited. We agreed before the night began that if nobody answered within 10 seconds, then it was time to move on. I remember every detail of those next 10 seconds. 1. I took my phone out of my pocket to keep my eye on Daniel. 2. I entered the car without looking at my phone, unlocking the screen. 3. Daniel was still waiting at the door. 4. Through muscle memories, I brought up a new message screen, still not taking my eyes off my son. Five, he began to turn around. Six, he started to head towards the bucket left in the front porch. Seven, he smiled at me. Eight, I glanced at my phone. Send you and the captain, okay? Nine, reply, on my way home. Ten, 
Daniel was gone. I didn't register at first. I figured he was hiding behind something. Daniel, I called out, Daniel. There was no thought. I ran up the porch, but I found nothing. No clues as to where he has gone. There was no way he could have ran around the house, not in a span of one to two seconds. No way. down the streets but there was no one no parents no kids nobody did someone open the door was he inside i started to pound furiously on the front door screaming my son's name i was screaming on top of my lungs and i tugged at the door handle trying to get it open i must have screamed loud enough because the woman in his house jenny was brave so brave at the open door and yelled after me is everything all right no, how do you see my son? The little boy dresses ca- a captain? Oh my goodness, no, I haven't. Should I call someone? Call someone? His cell phone. I smacked myself in his forehead. I forgot he has one on him. I grabbed my phone out and in my pocket and dialed his number. It went straight to voicemail. I almost threw the phone away right then and there, but I tried to calm myself down. I tried to think back, but all I could picture was someone, something, opening the door and grabbing my son, covering his mouth before he could scream for me. I thought that was one. I didn't care if we found him later, He, if he was playing some trick on me. I just wanted him back. I told the neighbor to grab a flashlight and help me look for him. When the cops arrived, the neighbor and I had been looking around the house, trying to find a way in. I was about to break the window when I heard the silence, those wailing screams echoing in the distance. I took such comfort in the silence. I just knew in my heart that as soon as they got here, my son would pop out somewhere and tell me it was just a big joke. I wouldn't scold him, I wouldn't yell at him, I would just hug him and squeeze him and hold on to him until he left for college. I told the cops everything down to the exact details as I remembered it. They also pounded on the door, but when they saw the frantic behavior and impatience running my body, they went ahead and broke the door in. They told me to stay behind, let them clear the house. I wanted to protest, to scream at them, to tell them nothing could keep me away. But when they threw their guns and yelled into the house, I knew they were talking, taking it seriously. Five of the longest minutes of my life passed by. I don't know when she did, but on one point I looked down and Nightmare was holding my hand. She held had children of her own. She knew what was happening, what could be happening. When the two cops came out of the house, looked at my face and said it all. I almost broke down there on the streets and I had to hold one little longer. I turned him to the house, past the outstretched arms, my officers and stared yelling at my son, busting in and out each room fiercely intensely. It wasn't until I went up the stairs into what I once mentioned no one was living in the house. No one had been living in this house for years. 
I ran down the stairs, most knocking the officers down, and I ran to the woman, the helpful neighbor. I grabbed her and started yelling, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me no one was living here? She started to stamper, taking aback by my sudden turn of aggression towards her. I, I didn't know. I only lived on the street for a few months. I never saw anyone come in or out. That could be a hundred different reasons. I'm sorry, I didn't know. I stood there on the street, beating heavily, holding onto the soul of a woman I only met a few minutes before. The officer placed their hands on her arm and I released her. I looked about the house, the two story monsters, buried in darkness. And I knew however it's impossible it was. I knew right there and then Daniel wasn't coming back. Things for me were dark, really dark, for many months afterwards. I don't really remember all of the police searching the new bulletins, the press conferences. I ignored the pity looks of my friends, the suspicions there on my neighbors. My wife and I desperately wanted to remain strong together. Every night we told each other, no daddy, no dad, in our hearts, Daniel was alive. The initial investigation of the houses and mountain animals that day, the British owner of the declared bankruptcy landed the house. The bank isn't been able to sell to anyone, so it sat there collecting dust. No one could account for the maintenance farm out front. The police never found any bucket or chalk balls or anything. I don't care what they say. I knew what I saw. I knew there was something, some of the police forces that suspected me. I went through the ruthless organizations, but they came up with nothing as I knew they would. I didn't get involved. If I had been in their position, I would have respected me as well. After three months, all three misconceptions and I was suspended except for our household. We still put up fires all over the surrounding neighborhoods every week. We still kept up to date with social media pleading anybody and everybody to keep an eye out for our boy. I joined my account hiring private detectives to look into the house, the neighborhood, anything that I could help. They came up with nothing, no clues, no trace. Daniel has simply vanished. Every night I had the same nightmare. Someone knocked on the door to our house and I ran downstairs hoping again Oh, it's Daniel. Every time I open the door, it is Daniel. And he's standing there in Captain Hook's dark uniform and his pumpkin candy carrier. I screamed out of joy and grabbed and holding him his flashlight to melt and stick through my fingers. His body turned to sand and explained my son is a pile of dust and dirt on the carpet. Then I wake up. In the afternoon, three of the children were heard a knock on the door. 
I got up slowly, thinking it was important coming to do a follow-up with some point carrying home to see my son. The thing that happened all too often. I opened the door and nearly screamed. Not in joy, but in sheer terror. My son was standing there, terrified. A wolf came bowling down the stairs and seized him as well, but hers was all happiness. She pushed me out of the way to take him up in her arms. I couldn't move. I kept waiting for his body to turn into mush. His eyes were spilling through my wife's fingers. I kept waiting to wake up in the bed, sweating and crying. But that didn't happen. I gazed every single part of the book. Never had to turn through an old crying and hugging and kissing. Dad didn't say a word. He was just there. No expression on his face, nothing was to his eyes. We put him down in shock, really. Something has happened to him. As each day passed, not a single doctor, therapist, or police officer could find anything physically wrong with him. Everything should be in working order, said one. The day we promised doctors examining Timmy, I can't tell you where your son was or what happened to him but whatever happened nothing is wrong with him on the outside nothing was wrong with him on the outside and nearly knocked out the smile with her right there and then but i was so excited to have daddy back that i strode it off in moment nothing mattered anymore then it was home Later that night, I was sitting at the dinner table after having tucked Danny in, and I came to a sudden realization that I wasn't exactly happy. I should have been. I should have been screaming on the rooftop with a complete joy in my heart, but something was wrong. Daniel wasn't Daniel anymore. That happy big boy has come back, different. I tried to think about why. It obviously had something to do with where he has been, what happened to him, but there is something else, something lagging in the back of my neck. Then, with a cold, sinking feeling, I remember Daniel had said something when I tucked him in. He had whispered, I like it here. I didn't register at the time, but sitting at the table, I didn't like what did that mean. I ran up the stairs and opened his door. He was sleeping, just as he should be. I almost laughed it out. What was wrong with me? My son was home. That's all that mattered. A few nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night to see Daniel standing in the doorway. He wasn't moving. He was just standing there. I looked over to my wife, but she was sleeping. I turned back to Daniel. Hey there, Captain. Are you okay? He didn't say anything at first. He just looked at me and smiled. For a second, my blood turned cold. My flesh raised. The smile wasn't my son. Then he whispered something I couldn't hear. What was that? I asked. Then he sprinted towards me so fast, so quick, and yelled, I like it here. Then he ran back out of the room and into his, his slamming his door. My wife slept through the whole thing.
Once there was a turning point, I was just about to lock the front door for the evening when my wife started screaming. And I mean screaming. I was convinced in a few seconds it took me to run up the stairs and someone was killing her. In a way, I was right. I burst to the bedroom door to find Daniel standing over my wife with an axe. He had a dead smile on his face again. The axe was raised above his head. When I tackled him, he started to scream and I started to cry. He kept repeating the same thing over and over again. You'll like it there. You'll like it there. You'll like it there. Now I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Who to turn to? As I was approaches, I think I have to go back. Back to the house where it all began. I'm going to take Daniel. Maybe he can show me where he wants us to go. Well, that was a creepy ending. So that comes to the end of the episode, and I hope you liked it. So, I'll be back with a new episode soon. And just for you now, the next episode is my season finale. That's right, season one's coming to end tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy.